Welcome to the Gold Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Wayne Peters with a message on Joseph. Praise the Lord. We're all going through some difficult times. I believe the, the whole church is going through difficult times. Uh, that's really nothing new with uh, people that have walked with God. And um, one fellow, one of the, the guys that works with me, he said to me, what's the longest you've ever gone without major problems? And, um, you know, I had to think about that. It's been kind of a short time. You jump from one fire into the next fire, you know. And um, maybe that's just me. But I believe that the Lord has got a plan. Um, I'd like to turn to Genesis 37. Story about Joseph. And um, if I have a hero in the word, Joseph would be pretty, pretty high up there. I appreciate Joseph's life. Joseph 30, uh, in uh, Genesis 37, verse 4, it says, um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll just read from verse 1. Jacob dwelt in the land of wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with sons of Bilah and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And um, uh, when, when I think about Joseph, I think about David also, and there seems to be a real parallel with these two. Um, um, David wasn't exactly liked either. Um, he was the youngest. He was a shepherd. Uh, um, Samuel is sent to the house. And um, to anoint someone as king. And uh, none of the older brothers were chosen. As we know, David was on the shepherd field. And they went to look for him. And he was the one that they anointed. When I think about abiding in the vine that we read about in John chapter 15 
He's talking, talking to us about abiding in the vine. He is the vine and we are the branches. And the fruit is on the branches. And if you cut the branch off, that branch doesn't take immediate effect. It'll stay green for a while, but in short order, it begins to wither. And that's what happens to our lives when we disconnect ourselves from the Lord. It doesn't take long, and you begin to see a fading in our spirit. I think about people that are not abiding in the vine. When you read about his brethren, saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. The reason they couldn't speak peaceably unto him is because they weren't seeing the big picture. There's a lot of people uh, that, that don't see the big picture. Uh, an example of that would be the um, the three counselors of Job. Job, as you read chapter one and two, you'll see that there's a, a conversation happening in the realm of the spirit. In heavenly places. God is there. The sons of God are there. Satan comes. There's a conversation. Have you considered my servant Job? And God says, you can, you've got some parameters here. But God sets the parameters each and every time. God gave him some jurisdiction, some authority to do, to, to uh, in a sense, test Job. And Job's counselors, they weren't in that heavenly place. They weren't there in that discussion between Satan and God. They were looking at the after effects and saying, well, you know, Job, uh, things aren't really going that well. You know, you, you can't really be that great a person. If you were serving God properly, these things wouldn't be happening to you. There's conversations that are happening in other places. And, you know, and, and, and we need to be tuned in to the realm of the Spirit. We need to see... What's the big picture? What is God doing? Here's brothers, they're not happy. But when you, when you look at the end of Joseph, you know that he ruled the whole finance then known. That's where he ended up. We're going to follow him through a bit. Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren. They hated him yet more, and he said unto him, unto them, 
Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, told his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the sayings. I kind of like that. Uh, his father, he observed, there, he observed these, these sayings. He, he didn't just throw it out. His brothers went to feed their flocks, their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flocks in Shechem? Come, I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said, Go to him, go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with thy flocks, and bring me word again. So that he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. I believe that you know, Joseph knew that his fathers didn't like him, or that his brothers were not impressed with him. But his father sent him, and he went. You know, that's kind of how we're supposed to go as well. We, we don't always do the things that we would want to do. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What, what seekest thou? You know, what, I, what I'm finding uh, so amazing in this, in this entire reading is that you could look at things and say, Coincidence, coincidence, coincidence. You could look at your own life and say, Coincidence, coincidence, coincidence. There's a big plan. Whatever your situation is today, it's not a coincidence. He, he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flock. And the man said, they are departed hence, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. Again, coincidence, you could say. I just happened to hear them say that. He's in Dothan. They're going there. And Joseph went after his, his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to slay him. These are rough times. He said one to another, Behold, this dreamer comes. 
Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Sometimes the hours get a little dark, don't they? Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father, or to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. Coincidence? Not really. It's a good thing. Pit was dry. I kind of put these things into my own life. You know, say, you know what, uh, it's a good thing that happened, it's a good thing that happened, it's a good thing that happened. Could have been worse, right? Instead of losing 100,000, you could have lost 200, you know? They sat down to eat bread and lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites. Wow, coincidental. No? They came from Gilead and their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brothers, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. They weren't all that unified either, the, the brothers. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew lifted up Joseph out of the pit and, jo- and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they bought... They brought Joseph into Egypt. Saw the parallel here of of Jesus. He was sold also for silver. And Reuben returned unto unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not. And I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed it, killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Many of you know this story. When you think about the Garden of Eden where when Adam and Eve did the wrong thing, 
the first thing they did is they wanted to hide themselves behind a leaf. Usually when we do the wrong thing, we're looking for our own plan. We're looking, you know, when a, when a, you know one thing about lying, if you, if you want to be a liar, you have to have a great memory. But eventually, the truth comes out. And it does. You know, you think about this story, you think about this day. They've sold off their brother. He's off to Egypt. We've got some cash. We're going to go tell dad what happened. A few chapters down the road, there's a different story. There's a lot of time that's passed here. There's a different story. Verse 33, talking about his dad, he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned his sons many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, I will go down into the grave unto my mourning. Thus his father wept for him, and the Midianites sold him into Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. So this is the second sale. How important would you feel? being sold two times. Came to pass at the time that Judah went down from the, his brethren, turned into a certain... I'm not going to read that. I'm going to read uh, uh, verse or chapter 39 now. Let's go over to 39. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guards, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Coincidence? That this man was the buyer? Maybe the high bid? The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and served him and made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put in his hand. And it came to pass that the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. You see here that um, um, I've employed a lot of people in my day, and um, I've always tried to be really, really careful 
what I do with these people. Um, when you think about Joseph, the blessing of the Lord was on him. And because the blessing of the Lord was on him, the blessing of the Lord came on Potiphar's house in a, way, in a greater way. The same thing happened to Jacob. Jacob, when, when uh, he came to his father-in-law, he, he probably didn't have too many assets, but by the time he left, he had no idea what he even had. He owned a lot. So here, Joseph, Potiphar's house is being blessed because Joseph is there, and he left all that he had. Uh, verse 7, I'll say, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wouldeth not that what is with me in it in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Kind of um, circled. He was he was really tempted or approached by Potiphar's wife, likely a fairly attractive gal. But he says, I, I can't do any wickedness towards her. And it wasn't going to be against her, because it was, he says, how can I, I'm, by doing that, I would be sinning against God. We often don't really think about that that much, you know. Um, we're really not, dealing with that person. We're, we're, we're sinning against God when we're sinning. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened unto her, not, not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garments saying, lie with me. And he left his garments in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, she was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me, and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And I came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. What um, what I see here is um, sometimes you have evidence. She literally had his clothing 
in her hand. And the accusation was that he was trying to pursue her. And what I come out of this with is that evidence is not always truth. You can have evidence, but it may not be the truth. It's only as you are abiding in the vine and knowing the source is when you'll really know. God is asking us to abide in the vine. He wants that same flow of the Spirit to be able to deal with all these issues and know what the truth is. It came to pass when his master heard the word of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to, thee, to me, that his wrath was kindled. Joseph's master took him and put him into, into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. I thought, He seemed to have a no shortage of people he put into prison. When things don't go quite right, in you go. He got some visitors after a while. He got the baker and the butler. They also met him there. The Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Seems like wherever he went, he was successful. But this is a pretty low place to be successful, isn't it? In prison. Successful prisoner. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoner, prisoners that were in the prison... And, he, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Kind of jumped into management, no matter where he was. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Total trust. Total confidence in him even in prison. Do you, you think the prison guard thought he was guilty? Who knows? It came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. They didn't tolerate um, too much. And the pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers and against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the baker and he put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph the place where Joseph was bound and the certain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued a season in ward and they dreamed a dream both of them each man his dream in one night each man according to the interpretation of his dream the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt which were bound in prison Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked unto them, and behold, they were sad. He asked the Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, 
Wherefore look ye so sadly today? I like that. I really like that statement. You know, here's a guy. You just think about his history. You know, sold twice. Was in the Pharaoh's house. He's in prison for doing the wrong thing. And he's saying, guys, why why are you so depressed? I think that's pretty positive. What's the problem? Don't you know there's a big picture? Well, I don't know about the, uh, the baker's picture. I think the butler had a much better picture, didn't he? We'll read about that. They said, We have dreamed a dream. There's no interpreter of it. Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me them, I pray you. That's a good thing to know. You know that gift that you've been given? It's prophesied to you. It belongs to God. It's a gift to you. Interpretations of dreams, they belong to God. Guess what? God loves to share. Isn't that good? God loves to share. He's not going to share just with everybody. But if you're abiding in the vine, then that same sap is flowing. From the, from the trunk of the tree to the branch to the fruit. Interpretations belong to God. It's good to acknowledge that. If there's going to be any fruit, it's going to be because I've yielded myself to God. It's not any fruit that I'm going to do. The chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, My dream, behold, a vine was before me. Anyway, um, we can read about that. Um, well, we will read it. In the vine were three, verse 10, in the vine were three branches and it was as though it budded and her blossoms shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes and the Pharaoh's cup was in my right hand or in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand and Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. Right now. Joseph walked in such a way that, you know, he had the answers because he was walking with God. So he wants us to walk. This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto the place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. Got a condition here. But, I've done this. Here's what I want you to do. Think on me, when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. Doesn't sound like he was really that enthralled with prison, even though he was 
kind of managing it. Must have liked working in Potiphar's house a little better. So he's interpreted a dream. My request is let, the, let Pharaoh know. Indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. But he's saying, why are you so depressed to these other guys? In other words, you know, when life isn't all that great, when circumstances aren't 100%, make the best of it. The Lord is in control. Because this is not the end of the story. There's more. And I can tell you, saints of God, this is not the end of the story here. What we're experiencing is not the end of the story. There's a lot more to this. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I, was, I also was in a dream. Behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the uppermost baskets there was all manner of baked meats and pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off of thee. And it shall come to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast unto all his servants. He lifted up the heads, the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler unto his butlership, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, and he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. <clears throat> Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Coincidental? Timing is everything, isn't it? Tells us that in the fullness of time, Jesus came. He didn't come in the Garden of Eden. He came in the fullness of time. When the, when the angel visited Mary, she says, now it's time. And when it was the fullness of time, Jesus, Jesus was born. Came to pass at the end of two full years, Pharaoh dreamed. Behold, he stood by the river. It's getting closer to the time. Right now. Two years later. There came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, fat-fleshed, they fed in the meadow. And on and on goes the dream then. that um, <clears throat> Verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. Chapter 41, verse 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my fault this day. Something's coming to mind. The king had a dream. He had a dream two years ago. And Pharaoh was wroth with his, in verse 10, uh, and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house. 
both me and the chief baker. We dreamed a dream in a one night, and I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of, this, of his dream, and there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew servant to the captain, servant to the captain of the guard and he and we told him and he interpreted to us our dream to each man according to his dream he inter- did interpret and it came to pass as he interpreted to us so it was me he restored unto my office and him he hanged then pharaoh sent and called joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came unto, in unto the Pharaoh. I think there was a fair amount of confidence here that he's our man. It's not like the king went to the prison and said, you know, let's have an interview here. They had confidence. They shaved this guy and brought him to the king. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream. There is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. We don't have any resources. The sooner we figure that out, the better. Christ in me. The hope of glory. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, I stood... Okay, we'll skip on that a bit. Um, Chapter 41, verse 32. He's really talking about there's going to be seven years of of, um, plenty and seven years of drought. Verse 32 says, For that dream was double with Pharaoh's twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. This is um, Joseph's counsel to Pharaoh. This is what you need to do. Let the Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Right away, you know, he's, he says, you know, what's a, what's a fifth part? 20%, right? 20%. Seven good years, 20% of your crop comes there. That's what you need to do. He didn't, he didn't kind of keep the secret. He, he, he just told him right out. He didn't say, you know what, I, I, got, I really got the answer here for you. I, I, I know exactly what the plan is, you know, you, but you kind of need to choose me, you know. He's willing to get the information out there and just, just hand it out, free of charge. Because God's going to do something here. You know, we can, we can, we can, uh, we don't have to um, try and, you know, keep information so that we become valuable, <laughs> you know. Um, he says, um, take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. I kind of did a little calculation on that, you know. 
Um, there's a, probably a lot of good mathematicians here, but 20% times 7 was like 140%. So if they were going to keep eating like they always had, it would last 1.4 years. Unless I don't have my math correct. Is that about right? So, anyway, they must have started eating a little different after, after the uh, seven lean years. When it's lean, you kind of eat a little leaner. Then let them gather all the food of those good years and that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be forestored to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt. And the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? You know, he's, he was in, in a kind of rough country, or a company there. A lot of heathen people. But this guy kind of always seemed to be connected to the vine. I thought to myself, you know, um, verse 46 says there, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You know how old he was when he got, when he got sold? He was 17. So now he's 30 years old. And um, you know, I thought to myself, why, why wouldn't he... Well, you know... Um, I'll just read here a little bit more. Uh, verse 41, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and he made him to ride upon sec- the second chariot which he had and they cried before him, bowed the knee and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name a long name. And he gave him to wife, and as Senath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field which was round about every city laid he in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering for it was without number. It seems like there was bumper crops here. There's a lot to this story, and um, 
Joseph eventually his dream comes to pass. His brothers bow down before him and um, at the um, I'll um, maybe um, quit reading there but the um, he says when 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 uh, when their dad died the brothers got scared they thought you know this guy is going to get even with me and he said you meant it for evil but god meant it for good And when you think about your circumstances in your life, you know, there's a lot of things that go on. Sometimes, you know, there's opposition even from people that you know, people that you think shouldn't oppose you. But God has a big plan. God is going to work out every detail of what's going on in your life right now. It's, it's going to be good at the end. You know, God isn't putting wimps into the kingdom. He's putting people in that have had quite a bit of adversary, ad, adversary, ad, adversity. And... Um, You know, if you don't have a, you know, how can you be an overcomer if you don't have anything to overcome? You know, we would just love to have life go smooth as glass. I can't say that I like problems. I haven't quite arrived to it where it says, you know, invite them as friends. It just doesn't seem to, I haven't gotten that that far yet. But when you see the difficulties that you're going through in life. And you see that that's going to do a work in, your, in my life that nothing else could do. That's a wonderful place to be. I've had a lot of trials lately in the last year. Lots of trials. Much bigger than me. Much, much bigger than me. I've said yes to things that I were impossible Because I had the right motive to say yes. And then I, then I watched God work in my life. The problems were way over my head. God specializes in problems that are over your head. He wants us out of control. He wants him to be in control. God is good. He's good all the time. People have done things in my life that if I told you about them, you would say, why don't you hate that person? Why don't you hate that person? But you know what it, you know what it is in my heart? I feel sorry for that person. I feel sorry for that person 
to be in that situation where their intentions are wicked and evil and destructive. I checked my heart to say, you know what, do I need to stand here? Do I have unforgiveness in my heart and life? And I said, no, I don't have anything against this person. This is a big problem for me. This is, this is a, this is a life, not, not a life-threatening, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an insurmountable issue in my life right now. And as you read the word of God and you begin to see men like Joseph that walk through life, In victory lane. Conditions aren't always good. But God is always good. And God is always with you. And when you're in prison, why are you depressed? What's the problem? Wouldn't that be nice to have some victory like that? And God has a people. You know... We have gifts, and the gifts become a ministry. But we, and, and we have different ministries, but we have one ministry that's the same for everyone. And that is the ministry of reconciliation. That means that things went out of kilter in the Garden of Eden, and they're going to be completely in kilter if there's such a word, in, in the kingdom age. And we have the ministry of reconciliation. And if you really know that, if you really know that you have the ministry of reconciliation, then you will not have anything against anyone. It will not happen. Because you're going to look at things like Joseph went through and you're going to say, you know, there's a bigger picture here. God has everything under control. I might be in prison today. Tomorrow I'm going to sign the checks. You know, when the king gave him that ring, you know that ring, you know, you stamp it down and that's like signing a check. He's in charge. You know, the Pharaoh didn't say, well, you know, I'll override Joseph. I don't think he ever overrode him. Joseph did such a good job that he just said, you know, whatever you say is good. It's good with me. Good with me. I've got employees like that. You know, I I just have all the confidence in the world. They They can just go out. They have signing authority. I trust them. But you don't do that very quickly. You do that with people that are abiding in the vine. Spiritually, for us to abide in the vine, be connected.
Let the spirit, let, let the ministry of reconciliation be in your hearts. Don't leave this camp with unresolved issues. If you want to go into the kingdom, if you want to rule and reign in the kingdom of God, you've got to offload. I think there was a lot of work done here. There was a tremendous amount of work done. You know, the scripture says that since John the Baptist, the heavens suffered violence. When when John the Baptist came on the scene, there was activity in heaven, in heavenly places. And he says, when John the Baptist uh, um, came on the scene, the heavens suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And, and, And John the Baptist message was repent we must repent for the things that we're holding against other people things that are troubling us unforgiveness God is shining his light on that big time in our lives Lord bless you if you would like more information about the moving of God's spirit or resources for your spiritual life please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.